guess they're going to record me and make me more nervous. Okay, so tonight, uh, Angel asked me to bring forth uh, about Christmas. Okay, so as I did this study, um, I realized how much I didn't realize about Christmas. Um, basically, like, you know, being ignorant of things that took place with Jesus uh, coming to this earth, being born. And I found an article. I'm not going to go through the whole article, but um, I'll give you the reference to it about Christmas, about how it came about, came to be. And as I looked at it and read through it, I was, I was amazed that, you know, like how it got turned around, the birth of Jesus. So crazy, man, that it's, it's really upside down. Uh, so anyways, you know, this world, as I was going through this, you know, looking up things on the Internet and doing my study, how, you know, the world's trying really hard to take away the birth of Jesus, Christ, out of Christmas. Um, I don't know if it was a week ago or the other day, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Brian from Norwalk, he, his message was in Luke, where I'm going to be reading out later, and he called it Chris, I think he said Chris Moss. Chris Moss, like more of Christ. Moss, right? For us Spanish-speaking people. <laughs> I like that, you know, more of Christ, Chris Mas, right? Christ Mas, the word Christmas. So, you know, this, this world um, is trying to take it away, trying to take Christ out. I heard uh, one, somebody say when they did the X-miss, M-A-S, like they wanted to take out Christ, you know. Uh, other people say it's just an abbreviation, you know, it's just so you, you know, maybe it's too hard to write Christ. I don't know. Right. So go figure. Um, but, you know, tonight we need to understand as we read these scriptures that I'm going to bring out that the world hasn't succeeded. And I, I believe with all my heart after studying this, that the world's not going to succeed uh, eliminating Christ out of Christmas. Um, maybe after the rapture, after the church is gone, then the world could have and do whatever it's, what it wants. But until then, uh, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Don't lose hope. You know, Jesus, uh, in, the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18, um, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. Um, six, is it up there? I don't know if it's up there, but it says, uh, now I say to you, he's talking to Peter. He says, I say to you, you are Peter. Um, and upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That, you know, right here where Jesus is saying this, as I was looking it up, uh, he kind of, plays with the word um, rock. Peter in the Greek is Petros. 
The Greek word for Peter is Petros, and it basically means little, little rock, little Peter, little Petros. And when he says, and upon this rock, Jesus was referring to Petra. The Greek word for Petra, that word rock is Petra, and it means great rock. And he was referring to himself. He is the rock. And he says, I will build my church upon the Petra, the rock, Jesus Christ. And that's why he was able to say, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Um, some reference uh, scriptures, if you're taking notes, I'm not going to read them or look them up, but just for you to know. Uh, Deuteronomy 32.4, 1 Corinthians 10.4, and Numbers 20 and verse 11. It explains who the, the real rock is, Jesus Christ. So don't worry, Jesus is still on the throne, like they say, and in control. Jesus is in charge. Uh, the church is built on him who is the rock. Jesus is the true rock. First John chapter uh, 2 um, tells us through, fifth, through verse 15 through 17 in First John. That's right before Revelation. We turn there. First John chapter 2, uh, 15 through 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides Forever, So this world is passing. You know, the, the things of this world. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 17 through 24 says, To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse 24 says, And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. See, our new way of life as a believer, as a Christian, and living shouldn't be conformed to the world's ways and standards. See, this world is trying to change Christmas. It's trying to take away Christ, trying to take Christ out of the word Christmas, the meaning of Christmas. Um, so, you know, the, the Bible is teaching us and, it, and instructs us to not be of this world, not to be of the things of this world. We're, we're living in the world, but we don't have to be conformed to it and its ways and its standards, the ways of this world, the way it's going, the direction it's going. Christ has come into our lives and he literally pulled us out of the flow of this world. And a lot of times you hear people say, we're going against the flow. And as a Christian, that's, it just automatically happens. We, you know, basically when you repent and you turn from your sins, what do they say? You do a 180. You do an about face. You're going the direction that the world, that we're going with this world, the standards and the ways of this world. 
And then all of a sudden Christ comes into our lives and He changes our lives and we do an about face, a 180, a repent, a repentance, a turnaround, right? And we go against the way of the world. We're going against the flow. And I was going to say, as we read earlier, but that was in the Bible study on Friday, that, you know, uh, we change directions. You know, we, we, we're not of this world no more. See, what our minds need to be renewed, transformed, and, and the Word of God will do that for you and I as we read, as we study, as we learn of who Christ is and what Christ has done for our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us about that. We just, I just read part of that, the last uh, two scriptures in Ephesians 4, verse 23 and 24. See, our new way of life and living shouldn't be conformed to this world's ways and standards. Philippians 1.6 says that God has begun a good work in us. And He's going to perform it. He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to do it. God will do it. Jesus will do it. For us, all we got to do is be obedient, read our bias. It's easy, like I was saying uh, earlier uh, Friday, that in the book of Matthew, he's saying that the way to destruction is wide and broad. It's easy. You know, to do wrong is easy, right? If you don't get caught, <laughs> then you got to go do some hard time or whatever it is, pay the price for your the penalty, right? But the way to heaven. Jesus was telling the people in Matthew chapter 7 that it's, it's narrow. It's narrow and difficult. You know, and I said it, it's easy. Salvation, serving God is easy, but it's difficult. It's easy because God does the work in us. He's begun a good work, Philippians 1, 6. But it's difficult because there's temptations, there's struggles. We're going against the flow. There's resistance. You know, and this world is on a path to destruction. It's going to come to an end. The Bible teaches us that. One day it's all going to burn up and come to an end. But God's mercy and God's grace, He gives us plenty and plenty. The Bible says that He's slow to anger. He's quick to forgive us. You know, he's long-suffering. The Lord is, is very patient with you and I. Because we mess up. We always mess up. We always fumble. We always uh, slip. We always make mistakes. And man, you know, the Bible says that uh, though a righteous man may fall, what, seven times? He'll get back up. It doesn't say a wicked man, an evil man, but a righteous man, a man of God, a, a woman of God. We're going to mess up. You know, we're going against the flow, the... the the, the road to heaven is narrow and difficult. See, Jesus has begun a good work in you and I. And he's going to bring it to pass. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Um, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Hope this doesn't scare some of you. <laughs> but it shouldn't. Ephesians chapter 6, 
verse 11. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. That word wiles, it means the schemings. The devil's a schemer, a scammer. Okay? It says, The wiles of the devil. Verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against people, okay, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's a whole load of things, right? A whole bunch of what? Principalities, powers, right? Against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So there is a devil, basically. Simple. There is a devil, there is an enemy to you and I as a Christian, as a believer. And the pull of this world will, will always be pulling us, trying to get us back into that flow, trying to get us to turn around from going the other way against the flow. See, Satan, he is the ruler of this world. John 12, 31 will tell you that. Uh, John 21, Jesus acknowledged this ruler of this world in John 12, 31. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, after reading that, you might say, man, that's a lot of stuff that we got to fight against. No, Jesus does the, the, the fighting. We have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says that he's the God of this age. It's, a, it's a, a small letter G on that God of this age. It's not a capital G. Our God is a capital G. See, there, there are many gods in this world today. Many gods. There's many things out there in this world. I'm not familiar with too many of them. But there's a, a lot of gods out there that people worship, that people claim to be their god. Um, it doesn't have to be, uh, I don't know how to say it, like a god, a god, but it could be an idol, something that... People tend to worship and bow down to. And basically it's not a physical, it doesn't have to be a physical bowing of your knee, but we bow our hearts, we bow our, our will, our attitudes, our time, our money. You know, and those that could be that could become a God. Things that we tend to spend a lot of time on. You know, it could be anything. It could be anything. Waxing that, oh, my baby, my car, right? Or I, I remember we used to say the one-eyed devil, the TV. We bowed down to it. I remember we did a skit to that. You know, we, it takes our time. TV, with me, TV was, it took my time away from studying the Word of God. And that became my, my idol, you know, and it was taking the place of my God in heaven, you know, and, and it's so it's so awesome that God being patient and loving and kind and you know God is is slow to anger, right? That every time I would watch that TV and I'd be sitting there after work and just vegging out and 
You know, my wife would pass by and say, what are you watching? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just here, venting out. What did the news say? I don't know. <laughs> so I remember just sitting there and, and the constant, I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, the constant, I don't know, voice or whatever, the thought, go read your Bible. Go read your Bible. Turn the TV off. Go read your Bible. Whether that was me, it had to be God, because me would be, turn the TV on, right? Turn it louder, right? <laughs> but, you know, we have many gods in this world. And the God of this age, Satan, he wants to destroy us. He wants to distract us. He wants to cause us to detour, you know, from where God, the path that God has put us on, you know. And, and there's so many things out there. And, you know, pertaining to Christmas tonight, as I was doing this study and I was thinking of all these things that how Christmas can, the way it is set up today, the way, it, you know, the lights, the activities, the festivities, the, you know, the things that it offers, the, the what's that called? Like, you know, oh, it feels so much like Christmas. I don't know what that's called, but... The spirit, I guess. The spirit of Christmas. I don't think it's a good spirit. But it takes us away from the fact that what Christmas is all about. And that's the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus. And as I was saying earlier, this article that I found, uh, it's called The Paper. And you can find it on the internet. It's, uh, it's called The Date of Jesus' Birth. How December 25th became Jesus' birthday. That's the title. Big old title, right? I'll say it again. The date of Jesus' birth. How December 25th became Jesus' birthday. And the author is William S. Abruzzi. If I'm saying it right. It's A-B-R-U-Z-Z-I. Abruzzi, Abruzzi. I don't know what it is. So basically the... The day 25th came around in the 4th century, okay? That was 400 A.D. That was a long time ago. Um, prior to that, the church didn't recognize, they didn't want to like celebrate Jesus' birthday, but rather they focused on Jesus' death and resurrection, which is Easter, okay? And that was of more importance, and it still is today. We celebrate Easter. We have a date for Easter. But basically, Christmas, the 25th, it was a date that was chosen. There's other religions or people, they're called Eastern Orthodox Christians. They have it as January the 6th, January 6th as, Jesus, as Christmas or Jesus' birthday. So, you know, to me, I was, I was looking at this and I've heard it said over the pulpit, like, Whatever the day is, we know Jesus was born. And we're going to get into that. So this is kind of an introduction, a long one, okay? <laughs> so, you know, regardless of the day, the 25th, the 6th, it could have been November, October, whatever it was, when Jesus was actually born, um, we know he was born. We know there's a day that he was brought into this world. I remember uh, being young and all I knew Christmas for me personally was a time of party. 
um, the other day I was going over this, some of this stuff with my wife. Like, I don't have too many memories of Christmas as a youngster. You know, running to the tree or opening gifts. I, I, I know, I remember the decorations in the house. You know, my mom died when I was 10, 11, cancer. So, you know, and I, and I, re, and I know she was always in the hospital. So I don't know how many years uh, prior to her death. Like maybe she was going in and out of the hospital. Maybe she was there at Christmas time. Maybe that's why I don't have memories. I don't know. I don't really clearly remember. But the only thing I remember is one time <laughs> uh, we were going to sleep. My, my older brother, Ernie, he, he woke us up. And I remember hearing jingle bells, that the sleigh, right? Jingle bells, the, the noise. And I woke up and then Ernie ran in the room and said, and my, me and my brother Paul, he goes, Marky, Paul, Santa Claus came. He was outside in the street. We ran out. Oh no, the next morning, he goes, but go to sleep because he's not going to bring in the gift if you guys are awake. And then the next morning, I remember seeing scratch marks in the street. I don't know how that happened, what happened, what took place. But that's all I remember as a little kid. I, I remember seeing some photos, but I can't, like looking at the photo and saying, oh, I remember that day. I can't, I can't do that. <clears throat> and then after that, I was a teenager, and I remember just uh, Christmas being a festivity, a partying and getting drunk. My family would be there, my uncles. See, I was the, I was the baby of the family, and I was, there was like a gap. Of uh, uh, seven, eight years. And back then, that's a big gap, right? So I just remember them. I remember my uncles, and I found out later on in life, they were my cousins. They weren't even my uncles. But to me, they looked like uncles because they were older, right? So that's, that's basically what I remember Christmas being. And then just growing up, and you had to buy gifts. You had to open credit cards to get gifts because you didn't have enough cash to get the gifts, so you had to get credit cards, and then you have to spend the next year, five years, paying off the credit card, and then there's another year. So I just remember it being like, oh my gosh, when is this gonna end? It was a misery to me, okay? Then I had seven kids, okay? Then all of a sudden I got seven kids, I got a family, and it's like, oh, I gotta buy them all gifts. So to me, that's what Christmas was. Okay, and then becoming a Christian uh, since 1982, I can't really tell you anything different than what I've been learning here. Learning here and doing this study, I've been learning a lot. Like, oh my gosh, I was so wrong about Christmas. Um, I've heard that Jesus is the reason for the season. We've all heard that. Um, you know, let's, we don't need to give gifts and get all stressed and anxiety, but remember that Jesus is the, uh, he gave us the best gift, uh, salvation, right? But I just didn't know and understand what the birth of Jesus really represents. So here we go. Okay, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Just a couple of verses. Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. You see that scripture right there? For unto us a child is born, Isaiah 9, 6. It was a prophecy 
And here in Matthew, we see it being fulfilled. Um, 20 and 21, it starts off, it says, uh, there was an angel that was talking. uh, Okay, let me start from 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 21, uh, verse 20 says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. One commentary said that right here where it says, for he will save his people, is awesome because whoever comes to Jesus become his people. Whoever receives the Lord as their Christ, as their Savior, become his people. And I and it you know it pointed out that if it said for he will save Israel from their sins, then that would like kind of make us feel like, well I'm not an Israelite, you know. But right here it says he will save his people from their sins. So when we become a Christian and we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, we become his people. His name describes his nature and reason for coming. Jesus, it means in the Greek, Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. John the Baptist in John 1.29, when he saw Jesus coming toward him, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 3.16-17, For whosoever believes, uh, no, for God, let me read it. I'm just trying to memorize it. I think because I'm nervous. I can't say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. But verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, Jesus, might be saved. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that, that which was lost. See, Jesus Christ, He seeks us. We weren't looking for Him. We weren't out there looking for God. We were looking for God in different things. Remember that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? Most of us were looking in the wrong places for the love. And that love is God, the love of God. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Philippians 2, 9, God has given him the name which is above every name. See, there's no other name under heaven which man should be saved by. The name of Jesus. He's our Savior. He, he, was, he, he came, when Jesus was born, 
He was born for one purpose, and that was to save us. Or actually, I should say two, and to die on the cross for our sins. But in doing that, He saves us. In doing the ultimate sacrifice, He saved us. Acts 14, uh, Acts 4.12, Peter was addressing his, uh, the famous, you know, the sermon that Peter did that we read about in Acts chapter 4. He says that there is no salvation in any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one name under heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus. He's our Savior. He was born into this world. The, the angels declared it. The angels announced it. And that name that they told uh, Joseph and Mary to name their son was Jesus, the Savior. See, he was going to save his people from their sins. And there's no other name under heaven given among men. So that name, Jesus, and the reason that Jesus was born the birth date that we should be celebrating today and every 25th of December, every year. And it's not just on that day, but every day. Uh, I was reading this article that it said that back in the day, they would celebrate every Sunday and they call it the Lord's Day. Back in the day, back in the early century. And, you know, somewhere it got lost. You know, we have church every Sunday. We come to church. We come to meet. We come to give God worship. We meet together to, to give them praise, to give them glory. That's why we sing, you know, and I, and I, and I believe, see, learning this, I believe that we lose some of that. You know, we come in, oh, I have to go to church. You know, uh, today's Sunday, I have to do what's right, you know. And we, we, we come in with to, in the wrong reason. But if, you, if we read and we learn that, you know, it's a day that we pick Sunday to celebrate, to honor the Lord that we put aside just one day out of the way. I mean, we should be loving God every day. Okay, I understand that. But sometimes, you know, we work, we have things to do. I understand that, you know, but just that one day Sunday, you know, to come in and to give God all glory and all honor. To, to sacrifice our time, to put aside those things that distract us, those things that take away and, and exactly what Christmas has become a distraction of because of all the things that the world has made it out to be. You know, the, the lights, the glitter, the, the, the presents, the gifts, the shopping, shop till you drop. You know, it's exciting, right? It's exciting to go out there. I don't think it's exciting when you have to fight for a parking spot <laughs> or you got to park two miles away to get in or get shuttled in, you know, it's become a mess. Literally, it's become a mess, Christmas, when it should be about Jesus. It should be about uh, honoring Him and thanking Him for the greatest gift that God has ever given us, His only begotten Son. Would you give up your Son for the world that didn't want Him? Would you give up your, your only begotten son? I don't think so, right? So God, knowing that and understanding that, 
with our hearts that knowing that God gave up his only begotten son so that the world could be saved. That the world, the people in the world wouldn't have to go to hell for their sin. You know, we're going to read later about the shepherds that were in the field. And the shepherds in the field were the lowest of, uh, I guess, the people. You know, they were usually poor. They were, look, they were looked down upon. Um, nobody wanted them around. It wasn't a very good job. Uh, the shepherds that, that were in the field in Luke chapter 2, we turn there. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Remember that word Savior, Jesus, Amen. who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to, to you. This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying uh, and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Amen. So someone said and brought out that the fact that these shepherds were in the field, it was hard because it was hard that to, to, to know that they were out there in uh, December because those were cold winter days. 
And shepherds usually weren't out in the field like that. So that's why some people say it's hard to, to believe that it was December 25th around there. Because that would, like today. But someone also said, I heard uh, David Guzik, he said that uh, the weather in that area is kind of like Southern California, basically. So look at today, it's going to be the 25th. I think we're going to might have snow in the mountains, right? But usually it's, it's dry, it could be warm, it could be cold. We just don't know how it's going to be. So, you know, that's why a lot of people say, oh, it couldn't have been December because shepherds aren't out in the field. So that was, that's one, uh, I guess, theory or aspect, right, that people look at. But like I said earlier, it's a day that we picked for a date, and that's what matters, that Christ was born. So we learn and become aware of the truth. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this truth that we're learning? Even tonight as we're reading these scriptures. That what Jesus was born for. To save us. To save us from our sin. Um, what are we going to do with it? Throughout the scriptures we study of, we study of men and women who learned of the truth and the ways of God. Santa Claus isn't the, is not the reason for the season. Um, you know, shopping till you drop is not the reason. The smell of Christmas, the lights, the decorations, all those things, they, they kind of bring us that, that atmosphere, that spirit of Christmas in us. Oh, it's that time of the year. But Luke chapter 2, what we read, 15 through 17. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. They told each other, Let us go and see. When you and I become Christians and we become born again and we're we're exposed to the truth, who's Jesus Christ and the scriptures, our doctrine, our teaching. We say, let us go and see. Let us go and learn. Let us go to church and see what the, the preacher has to say. Let us go to church and fellowship with one another. And, you know, they, they say when we, iron sharpens iron. You know, coming together in a place as a church building we learn of each other we talk uh, our problems things that are going on in our life we, you know we help each other you know let us go and see like these shepherds they learn the truth from the angels who told them for there is born to you this day because they didn't know they were out in the field they had no clue whatsoever but then all of a sudden these angels show up and they began to speak to him and began to tell him, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I remember uh, I was sharing with somebody uh, the first time I, I was in a church. I was scared out of my wit. Things were going on that I had no uh, knowledge of, no you know, understanding of. I was ignorant towards everything of the stuff of God. The things of God. And I didn't know anything. And I was scared. My heart was racing. You know, and I'm sure when these angels showed up and these, these uh, shepherds saw them, 
the angels tell him, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. They were afraid. I would be afraid if an angel showed up with me. I'd be like tripping, like what's going on, right? But as the angel began to tell them of these truths, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That's basically the gospel. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, as these shepherds heard this truth, they said, let us go see. Let us go and see it for ourselves, right? That's, that should be our attitude towards everything. Even what I'm saying tonight, you know, look it up in the Bible. Let, let us go and see in the Word of God that this guy that's up here, Mark, if he's telling the truth, if he's saying the Scripture's right. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I used to, I was taught it used to be wrong. That was wrong. You don't, you don't say nothing to the, to the guy up there. But there's nothing wrong with going over the scriptures. We see that in Acts, right? Where they, uh, they went over the word of God all night long. And they, they went through the scriptures. And there's nothing wrong. That's our attitude. That's the way we should be with the word of God. With Jesus, our Savior. We should find out who He is. We should find out what is it He wants for my life. Let's go and see. Let's go to the Scriptures and see what God wants for us as these shepherds, as they learn the truth. The second thing is that the Lord has made known. Okay? The Lord has made known to them, they said. He, he has made known to us. And then what did they do right after that? After they, made, they were made known of the Christ, the babe, they came with haste. They hurried. There was no hesitations. There was, they, they, they didn't let distraction, anything to try to distract them, get in their way. Detours. The other day when I was trying to do this study, my, my, little, my grandson was upstairs and I was being detoured. I was being distracted. And, you know, we have to, there's a fight and there's a battle when we start learning the things of God, who He is, the truths of God for our lives, our personal life. Did you know that Jesus Christ is a personal God for you and I? He's personal. He's intimate. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what you're Amen. thinking. He knows what's in your heart. And it's okay with Him. He still loves you. He still loves me. You know, whether it's good or bad. You know, God still loves us. He knows exactly what's going on with us. See, we have to be like the shepherds that came with haste. They hurried. They didn't hesitate. They ran. They literally ran to Bethlehem to go see. Once they, made, they were made known of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing, what happened is when they saw Jesus, okay, they went, they ran, they saw the babe, Jesus, he's just a baby, just born. That when they saw Jesus, they made known, they made known to the people. Verse 14, 
says, let us go now, or I'm sorry, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. See, they made known to the people that they ran back to after they saw the babe. And it says that all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. They told the people good will to all men. Peace. We have peace. The angels related to the shepherds and the shepherds related to all the people. To all those things that were told them by the shepherds, they began to rejoice. They marveled. Mary pondered in her heart. See, and then the shepherds, after all that was done, what happens? They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that, had, that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. That's what Christmas is to me now, is to tell people about the Jesus, about the babe, about Jesus Christ being born on this day. The greatest gift that I could have received in my life. I was, I was in the fields, not you know, doing what I was doing. And especially on Christmas Day, you know, just partying, getting high. You know, that's what Christmas was for me. You know, being in the cold with my warm jacket and it was the best, you know, get, you know, it was crazy the things that this flesh wanted to do on that day. That's all Christmas meant for me was just another holiday, another reason to party, another reason to get high. And now as a born again believer that I heard the truth, that the, that the Lord himself has revealed in my heart why he was born and what his name really means. Jesus, it's a say he's my savior. And now what I want to do is go and run and tell people. It was so cool today because I was able to share with somebody. And it was a place where I was working and it was basically he brought it out, you know. And, and I just remember I was standing there and I was saying, because usually I, I just leave wishing I could have said something. You know, thinking I, I, oh man, I missed an opportunity. But this time it was so cool, so awesome that I was able just to tell him and get up. And then this guy was, he said he was raised in the church because I, he was telling me stuff about me and I was like standing there like, I'm not going to leave this place. Letting him think that I'm just a good guy, that you're different. And I, I had to tell him, you know, it's, you know, I understand what you're saying. I go, but all that stuff that you're saying about me is because of God. He changed my life. And he goes, oh, hey, brother. He started telling me, brother. He goes, yeah, I get it, man. He started pumping fists at me and all that. It was, it was, he was like a surfer dude. I was working in Redondo Beach. And I, I felt so, it was so awesome for me personally. It was like a, I don't know how, how, how they say that, like a stepping stone or an achievement, I guess. But it was God. It was God. You know, I, I've been praying and asking the Lord to help me in my witness, uh, in my sharing, in my testifying, letting people know, you know, that, that Jesus is the reason for me being the way I am now, you know, and, and doing this study, maybe it helped me, you know, deep, uh, unconsciously or subconsciously, like they say, maybe this is what came out today. 
But I thank God because I understand the reason. And, you know, there's a scripture I have that I wanted to, and I can't find it. But I think it's back in Matthew, if I believe right, if I'm thinking right. And it's a name of Jesus. Uh, Oh, here it is. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, and I'm going to end with this, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. And as I read that, it, I don't know how to say the words, but I guess for lack of a better word, it it got me very emotional where I started like, man, God's with us. God's with us. You know, and here in Matthew chapter, and it's the first chapter of Matthew where we know before that was 400 years of silence. And the people of Israel were no longer regarding sacrifices as holy and, and uh, you know, like reverence, you know, the fear of God, keeping it, giving the best that the, the, you know, the law required for them to do. And then there was four years of silence and here, Jesus shows up now. They don't know it yet, you know, and like in our lives, we didn't know yet. You know, we were out there in the world, we're doing what we do, you know, whatever it is, where your life is, and Jesus shows up, and and it's Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us now. He's with you, he's with me, he's he's with us, man. And that's so awesome. It's so awesome to know that, to see it, to feel it. I know we don't go by feelings, but it's like, I know God's with me. I know God's with me, no matter what happens. No matter what transpires in our lives, you know, God is with us. He's he's here, and He's saved us. He's begun a good work in our lives, and He's going to perform it and bring it to pass. And, and that's so awesome that God is born on this 25th of December and that it was to get, it was to bring us to his kingdom. It was to bring us to salvation. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We, we ask, Father, that you will continue to speak to our hearts, your Holy Spirit, God. Father, as we learn of who you are and why you came, God, to save us from our sins. And not only save us, God, but you seek us. You seek us out, God. You look for us until you find us, God. And then you speak to our hearts and we respond, God. Hopefully we respond with with asking you to forgive us of all our sins and come into our lives. To change our lives, to change our minds, to transform us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.